This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. It's been a day of nonstop celebrating today. Everybody I've talked to, every Wisconsin sports fan I've talked to, great mood today. Awesome mood. Smile on their face. Finally, we're satisfied. We're vindicated. We're happy. We're appeased. Finally, we've wanted this for years and years and years. We finally got it. Feels great. Brewers finally fired Andy Haynes. What did you think I was? Oh, the 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 Bucks got their rings. That's right. That happened last night, too. Yeah. But mostly Andy Haynes. Fire that bastard. Out of town. That was about an hour and a half ago. The Bucks got their rings last night. It was great. The ceremony was awesome. The game was a blast. I think for a million different reasons, this Buck season might be one of the most fun Buck seasons of my entire life, and, and maybe yours. I know they won the title last year, and the title run was awesome, and the, and the result was great. But enjoying regular season games, all 82 of them, and going on a ride with the team throughout the regular season, I think this team is going to be a blast and a half to watch. You have the weight of championship expectations lifted, and now you can just play basketball. You can just enjoy it. That's what it felt like last night, and oh my goodness, it was fantastic. And yes, the Brewers fired Andy Haynes today. We'll talk about that as well. As much as we can celebrate someone losing their job, it's always kind of the dark side of sports. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I'm glad you're here. It'll be a packed show tonight. Talk little Brewers, little Bucks, little Packers. Perry Goldstein is going to join us at 5.30. Cheesehead TV. She does the Packs with Cheesehead podcast. Packers defense. We're going to talk quite a bit about the defense. Rashawn Gary, what's his deal? Injuries. What the heck? How are they overcoming those? What's the deal? What And what's the deal with injuries? And so we're going to talk a lot about the defense. And I think now that Succession is back, we might dip our toe in the pop culture water into the pool of, of HBO television and talk about the season one premiere, which is on Sunday. She'll join us at 5.30, so mark that down. Put a reminder in your phone. You're not tuning out before then, right? You're going to be here for the entire two hours. Good. 608-796-2558 is the talk and text line. That's how you can call and text and share your opinion and yell at me and tell me I'm the worst or complain about other listeners and tell them they're the worst. Yep, that's the number, 608-796-2558. Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to follow me, if you want to tweet during the show, that's a good way to stay connected. Or during games. Uh, I was tweeting during the Badger, or not the Badger game, but the Bucks game last night. I think Brad Davison caught a stray. Yeah, I, Blake Griffin has relegated himself to the NBA version of Brad Davison, which is very sad. Uh, just He's the guy who's in there to take charges and make the opponents upset. I get it. I, I didn't mean to dr- drag Brad Davison into this. We have all Badger season for that. But I was tweeting about that last night. Tweet about Jordan Wara, who is great. Follow me. Tweet with me during games. It's fun. At Wisco Grant. Let's start with the Bucks. Last night was awesome. Super cool. Immediately finished the show. And at 6 o'clock, walked out of the studio. We have a little TV in the lobby of our building. And by this time of night, most people have left, which is great because there has been basketball seasons, baseball seasons, where I've gone without cable. So I just hang out here and watch the... And watch watch the work cable, watch the Bucks at work. And I was watching from 6 to 6.30 right after the show, the ring ceremony. And it was 
super cool. It was basically a half-hour reminder that, yeah, our Bucks won a title. That's right. That happened. Can't forget about that. We can't let go of that feeling. It was unbelievable. And watching the banner be revealed in the rafters. A banner being hung in the rafters, that's going to be there forever. It's never going away. That's a constant reminder that not only the 2020-2021 Bucks were great and a super successful team and really talented, but they accomplished the final goal, and we will always remember them for that. And last night was a reminder of that, a celebration of that. Right? That's the same Bucks team that we were scared was going to leave Wisconsin. And the same Bucks team that won 15 games. And the same Bucks team that gave Matthew Dellavedova a pile of money. Right? The same team that was owned by Herb Cole. And it was super cool that he was there last night and they gave him a ring. After all, Herb Cole is a huge reason why the Bucks are still in the state. Now, one could argue that it was Herb Cole's ownership that put the Bucks in a bad position to maybe leave. But Herb Cole, I will give him credit as a politician, and I don't always love politicians. Someone who put $100 million of his own money into a new stadium to keep the Bucks here. It's one thing for a politician to make some commercials and argue, oh, I love this state, I love this team, I'm going to fight for them to stay here. Okay, well, you're a billionaire trillionaire because you've been living off of uh, tax dollars as a senator for years and years and years. He put his money where his mouth is, and he personally financed a huge chunk of that arena and actively looked for owners that wanted to keep the Bucks here. It was really cool that they could make Herb Cole a part of that last night. And I thought the Bucks did an outstanding job letting Jim Paschke do it. Hell yeah. I, I guess that didn't surprise me, but I hadn't really thought about it until last night. And it was, it was so cool watching Jim Paschke, who's now retired, be able to announce all of these guys and then shake their hand. And then that hug with Giannis and the t-shirt that he was wearing, that was a really cool moment. And it comes just days after, for example, the Washington football team retiring Sean Taylor's number and basically messing it up every step along the way, right? Announcing it three days ahead of time, doing no special patch on the jersey, no special announcement, nothing like that. Well, they painted his number on the field and, you know, shared it on social media to take the heat off of their investigation. The Bucks did this perfectly. Everyone who should have been there was there. Jim Paschke's voice was the perfect voice to do it all. It was, it was great. Super cool. I'm glad there could be fans there for it, unlike at the beginning of last NBA season. And I'm glad it wasn't the stupid Lakers. Watching the Lakers get their rings last year was so dumb. I'm glad that last night we actually watched a team get their rings, a team that's worth celebrating. Like even the Raptors. I know the Raptors beat the Bucks, but that's a team I was excited to get a ring, even if I was a little sour about it. Right? I'm happy to see some of these teams get a ring. I don't like watching the super team roll in the next year with LeBron. It's like, oh, good for you guys. Want a bubble ring. Nice. Stupid Lakers. Last night was cool. That ceremony served its purpose. Celebration and a reminder that the 2021 Bucks did that. They did the thing. And nobody can ever take that away from the Bucks and Bucks fans. And that's the best part of winning a championship. In Wisconsin, we've been pretty lucky over the last 10 years to see a lot of good teams. The 2011 Packers, the 2015 Badgers basketball team, the 2021 Brewers are a great example. And we'll always remember those teams as fun. Really, really talented, really, really good. But in the grand scheme of things, those teams are footnotes. They never won the title. A couple of those teams never even made the championship round, right? The Packers and the Brewers didn't even make it out of the first couple rounds of the playoffs. The Badgers at least made the national title game, lost to Duke. The 2021 Bucks won't be a footnote. We won't remember them as a team that was really, really good and a joy to watch, but they just they couldn't get it done at the end of the year. No, we'll always remember them. Their banner will always hang in the rafters. 
you look at NBA history, that team is always going to be there in 2021. And Giannis talked about that last night after the game, and I thought it was really cool that he recognized the gravity of that moment looking up as the banner was revealed in the rafters as well. Here's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Obviously, one of the coolest moments is that you know, when we were in the free throw line, you know, as a team, and we saw the banner, you know, going, um, you know, uh, going uh, up, and you know, that's going to be forever. Then, you know, uh, you can walk away from the game today, and uh, the banner is always going to be there. We can always come back and watch a game in 2055. Hopefully, hopefully by life, uh, and the banner's going to be there. No one can ever take away that title from Giannis. And I think of a, a fan base like the Houston Rockets fans, who had an incredible decade, a little bit less than a decade, with James Harden, and then Chris Paul was there, and Russell Westbrook was there for a year, and all of those teams got so close. And in 2016, or was that 2017, you argue that the Rockets should have made the finals and probably would have won, would have beat the Cavs. Cavs weren't as good as whoever was coming out of the West. But looking back, what do Rockets fans have to cling to? MVP with James Harden? I guess that's nice, right? But Aaron Rodgers won an MVP in 2011. Do we celebrate that? Do we gather around the table at the holidays to talk about that? No. We talk about the Super Bowl the year before, right? We talk about rings. We talk about the team that was on top of the mountain at the end of the year. And you can't take away anything from the Bucs. And you can't take away that championship. That's always going to be there. So that was before the game. The game itself. Bucks beat up on the Nets. Final score was 127-104. Put this very simply. Giannis is so, so good. And this Bucks team is so good. It's really as simple as that. That's it. Right? Now, we've seen Giannis win two MVPs and a title and a finals MVP. But I found myself even last night taking him for granted in the middle of the game. I love when the NBA season starts because then when I fire up my group chats with my friends, I have a couple. We just talk about basketball all the time and send links. And we talk about fantasy basketball. And it's just so we do. We pass the time. It's a fun way to stay connected with this friend group of mine from college. And I messaged this group last night. I'm like, yeah, this is so good. Can we not forget that? Can we not get used to that? Can we not take that for granted? You know how you can kill a frog by slowly boiling it? So if you put a Put a, I'm sure you've heard of this. You put a, like a bullfrog in a kitchen pot with room temperature water, and then you put it on the stove, and you turn it up really slowly. So you don't, st- you don't drop them into boiling water, but you just slowly heat up the water little by little by little to the point where it's boiling, and the frog will just sit there. Frog will let itself get boiled alive because it can't differentiate the small little incremental rises in temperature. I feel like Bucks fans, we are that frog sitting in the pot of water where we saw Giannis come in as a child, literally from poverty, grow bigger, get more skilled, fail, try harder, get new teammates, get a new coach, fail, try harder, win most improved, get better, try harder, win MVP, lose in the playoffs, get better, win MVP again, have a hiccup in the playoffs again, get better. We have seen this rise, which has been meteoric, but it's been this slow climb, this linear climb, slowly but surely incremental improvements year after year after year. And if you look at his basketball reference page and you compare season by season by season, every number, he gets a little bit better every year. He wasn't bad, bad, bad superstar all of a sudden. No, it happened slowly, little by little, as he added a skill here and tweaked a skill here and got a little bit bigger and got a little stronger. The water 
wasn't boiling when he stepped foot into the league. It was lukewarm. He was a nobody. And then the heat just got turned up little by little by little, and all of the, a sudden we're sitting around October 20th, 2021, and we have two MVPs coming off a finals run. Oh, and this guy's casually dropping 32. He's pulling up from jumpers. He's hitting free throws. He's got this beautiful – he had this this Euro step into a reverse layup with spin off the backboard last night. I'm like, that we're so used to that. But we can't allow ourselves to be used to that. Giannis might be the best defender in the league. He blocked a Kevin Durant jump shot last night. That's, like, impossible to do. It's like the Titanic was supposed to not be able to sink. Impossible. Can't sink it. Kevin Durant's jump shot is unblockable. He's seven feet tall. Like, that's his thing. You can't block his shot. If he wants to shoot, he's shooting. Giannis blocked it last night. He might be the best defender in the league who also just happened to score 40 once, 40 twice, and 50 points in the finals last year coming off a knee injury. He's so good. 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, because, of course, 2 blocks and a steal. Through the first 24 minutes of the game, he had 25, 12, and 5. Just unreal. And the Nets tried everyone. I don't know if Steve Nash is a good coach, but one thing I do like about him is that he experiments a lot. He tries lots of different things. And last year, right, they dealt with a bunch of injuries. So part of that experimentation was by necessity. They had to try different things. And now with Kyrie out, they need to try lots of different things. But Steve Nash, I don't know if he's a good coach, but he's willing to try things. He tried Blake Griffin, Nick Claxton, Kevin Durant, LaMarcus Aldridge, James Johnson, even Harden. Everybody tried to guard Giannis last night. No one had a prayer. And I, I like looking for things that aren't stats, that aren't numbers, but if you just watch the game, you get these little indicators here and there that tell you, oh, this is going well. Oh, this is going poorly. If you watch the Packers, for example, if Aaron Rodgers starts aggressively looking for pass interferences all the time, game's going poorly. Bad sign. Bad sign. The offense isn't humming. It's not going well. Right? That's an, that's an indicator that I always look for. Aaron Rodgers, has he thrown to seven or eight different wide receivers? Great indicator. Right? Last night, you notice how frustrated Kevin Durant looked the whole game? Kevin Durant's game is effortless. Kevin Durant's game, he's the smoothest scorer the purest scorer, the purest player of this generation. There's nothing large and in charge and out of control and physical. He's just pure. And when he looks frustrated and out of sync and peeved, that's all I need to see. Right? No one's stopping Giannis. Giannis is the best player in the world. And it's funny because yesterday morning, everyone's announcing, oh, here are my top five players going into the season. Here are our title odds. Who are our picks to win the finals? Stephen A. Smith yesterday morning, his top five. <laughs> Not that this matters, but it's funny. His top five was Kevin Durant one. LeBron 2, Giannis 3, Steph Curry 4, Dame Lillard 5. First of all, no NBA top 5 right now is worth a damn if Luka isn't in it. So this is crap offhand. But putting LeBron over Giannis is very bold, and putting Kevin Durant over Giannis is very bold, I think, for reasons we saw in the postseason last year and for reasons we saw last night. Kevin Durant is brilliant. He's fantastic. He can't defend like Giannis. He can't block shots like Giannis. He can't rebound like Giannis, right? Might not be able to pass like Giannis. And last night, Giannis was scoring at a higher clip than Kevin Durant. I just don't, it's just funny. For everyone who said the Bucks aren't my pick going into the year and Giannis isn't the best player going into the year, last night, lots of examples on why that was stupid. Bucks have worse title odds than the Lakers and the Nets. How'd that look last night? Oh, Russell Westbrook isn't working on the Lakers. Oh, the Lakers don't have enough shooting. Who could have seen that coming? Literally anyone with the brain. If LeBron is your best three-point shooter on the floor, you're in trouble. And they lost last night to a Warriors team without Klay Thompson. Whatever. Bet the Lakers, though. Bet the Nets. They're your favorites.
Bucks team is going to be so much fun to watch. It's amazing what winning a championship will do for fans, for players. And Giannis talked about this after the game. We're going to hear from him coming up next. But not every positive development from last night's game needed to be scrutinized, right? When Jordan Warris scored 15 last night, which was really fun to watch, we didn't have to then say, well, but he can he do it in the playoffs? But can he can he help them win a title? Well, right now, who cares? The Bucs just won a title. Jordan Warris scored 15 and looked like a legit offensive piece. Just enjoy it because we're not under the gun. We're not in the pressure cooker of, of, of failed playoff expectations for the last couple of years because the Bucs are coming off a title and it feels so good. And Coach Bud, by the way, I saw this tweet last night, made me laugh. This is from Ty Windish, who does the Eurostep podcast, said, the Bucks playing a Justin Robinson, Pat Connaughton, Jordan Wara, Chris Middleton, Thanasis Antetokounmpo lineup is kind of electric. Whereas two years ago, we would have said, what on God's green earth is Coach Bud doing with this lineup? Well, you win a title. It's amazing how watching the game becomes so much easier. So much more enjoyable. Let's hear from Giannis a little bit coming up next. Last night, he had 32-14-7, two blocks and a steal. Casual, uh, yet a lot of people think LeBron and Kevin Durant are still better. Whatever. This league really isn't that complicated to understand if you just watch basketball. But therein lies the problem uh, for a lot of people who think they know about the NBA. Let's continue talking about Bucks. We're going to get into the Packers and even the Brewers all before 5 o'clock, I promise. A lot going on today. Andy Haynes was let go. The Packers made another addition, so we're going to get to it all before 5, I promise. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Great Bills. A lot of reasons to celebrate today. Bucks got the rings last night. Celebrated their NBA Finals run. Paschke was there. Herb Cole was there. It was great. And then the Brewers fired Andy Haynes today, which I don't know, I'm kind of indifferent on, but I know a lot of people really wanted that. So congratulations. I'm happy for you. Celebrate. You've earned it. Brewers are going to be looking for a new hitting coach. We'll talk about that in about a half hour. Going to talk Packers in about 10 minutes. Right now we're doing Bucks. I wanted to hear a little bit from Giannis today. We got to appreciate this man. We have to. I Every day of our life for this season, or at least every day the Bucks play, we need to say to ourselves, Giannis is amazing. I can't believe we have him on our team. I can't believe he's here. I can't believe he's a Buck. Because that's how good he is. And I feel like we've become used to it. Use the analogy to start the show. It's like boiling a frog slowly to death. You know, if you put a frog in a pot of cold water and then you slowly turn up the heat, it'll sit there. It'll sit there and it'll die. It'll get boiled alive. It won't jump out because it won't notice the water getting warmer slowly but surely. And I feel like we're the frog and the water is Giannis. He came in as some unknown guy, some project from Greece, and he's gotten a tiny bit better every year. And because it's happened incrementally, we haven't noticed. All of a sudden we look around. He's got two MVPs. We're finals champs. Appreciate him. So I wanted to hear from him. I have a couple of answers from his press conference last night that I want to share with you. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. Send me a text. You can send me a tweet at Wisco Grant. You can follow and have a nice back and forth with me there. First question. Giannis was asked about watching his brother get a ring. Because remember, Thanasis missed game six of the NBA Finals with COVID. He couldn't be a part of the celebration. He was at home. So Giannis talks about getting to see his brother happy and celebrate with his ring with the team. 
unlike a couple of months ago when he was at home sick. I was more happy for him uh, than for me. I told him, uh, you know, before he go out there, I said, go crazy. You know, he wasn't in uh, the celebration uh, in the locker room uh, the last night and uh, of game six. So, you know, this was big for him. He was excited. He got his, uh, we got this like big artwork, whatever the cold brew got us that we were all, I don't know if you guys can um, probably go and post a picture of it. That was cool. And we all got some of those and Nash got it. Then he got this, uh, he was excited about, the, you know, the white uh, hoodies and stuff that uh, we're saying NBA champs in the back. He was just enjoying the, you know, the process. So I was happy for him. Uh, and that's the Nassis, you know, he's uh, joyful, uh, he has energy, uh, he's always happy no matter what goes on in uh, the world. And, um, you know, I was, more I was more happy to see him that he was uh, enjoying uh, at least, uh, you know, this uh, ring ceremony. He, he hasn't taken his ring off. <laughs> Not like literally, he went to the cold tub with his ring, he went and got treatment in his ring, he put it in his pinky, then he switched it and put it in his thumb, and then he was just opening it, closing it, taking pictures, putting on social media, you know, and uh, that's, that's, that's the, um, you know, the awesome part, you know, of this. I thought it was cool to hear Giannis talk about it. He's more happy to see his brother get a ring. It's happier to get, to give his brother a ring than to get a ring himself. And this is how I know Giannis is a great teammate because it reminds me of me as a fishing partner, and I'm, like, literally the best fishing partner on the face of this earth. When I go fishing, talk about fly fishing here with my buddies. I have a couple, a very small group. I'm always more excited to see them catch a big fish. I'm going to run down there with the net. I want to get a picture. I want to, hey, nice job. What what the, what did it bite on? Tell me the story. Give me the rundown, eh? And I'm the greatest fishing partner around. So Giannis, if he feels like that, he's more excited for the success of others than the success of himself. Well, then he's a great teammate because he's like me, and I'm... There's no one better on earth to fish with than me. If you've ever been fishing with me, you can attest to this, which I only fly fish with like two people, and there's no way they're listening to the show right now. So very unrelatable. Giannis asked if winning a title changes the culture of the team. Interesting. I'm pretty sure this question was asked by Joe Varden of The Athletic because he wrote a piece about the possible change in culture after a win. So I'm assuming that he was the one who asked, or maybe he's just opportunistic and he heard somebody else's question and he wrote a good piece on it. That's what I do on the show every day with these press conferences, so I, I get it. Culture, Giannis. No, it's not, not going to ch change the culture. Uh, when we talk about culture, culture is led by three, you know, the three, you know, from what I've studied, by the three alpha males on the team. You know, you guys can decide who are those. You know, we can go from the owners, we can go from uh, the GM, coach, uh, we can go from the, the Chris, uh, Drew, Brooke, or Chris, Drew, me, or whatever the case might be. If those guys, those three guys, those three alpha males, their uh, uh, approach to the game does not change, it's very hard to change the, the culture. Um, our approach is the same. You know, usually in a game like this with a lot of fans, a lot of emotion, you know, videos of us from when we were eight years ago, nine years ago, videos of us fighting hard, diving on the floor, you know, of, uh, moments uh, that defined uh, our championship journey, you know. Um, and then obviously first game, home opener, you know, you can feel it in the air, you can feel the energy, the jitters, guys, uh, Michael Red, uh, Brandon Jennings, people, a lot of people are here, you know, uh, but we were able to do our job. You know, come out there, do our job. Uh, no matter what uh, goes on, you know, Drew went down, but we were able to come out, compete, guys step up and do our job. So if our approach to the game does not change, the guys that are out there and uh, Coach Bud, it's hard to change the culture of this uh, team. Alpha males. 
That's what it comes down to. Alpha males. Ebo and Madison would love that. The idea of the alpha males holding down the culture in the Bucks organization. It does change things. You win a title, your worldview changes. You get that promotion, your worldview changes. Right? You get married, worldview changes. If somebody in your family dies, you lose a friend. I don't know. Big life events. Change your outlook on things. Change your perspective on things. And I want to be done, and I want to wrap up with this question because it plays to that same idea. I loved this question, and I loved the answer. And I'm going to play the full question and the full answer because I, it, I think it's just such a good little chunk of sound. I can relate to this as a fan. I'm just going to play it for you, and this builds off of that last question and answer we just heard. All the, all the great things that you guys did in July and that you celebrated here tonight, did that remove some pressure from – you know, what people wanted and expected you and this team to do? And and if so, are you curious to find out what it's like to play without that kind of pressure now? At the end of the day, I'm not going to lie. I'll be, let me be totally honest with you. Um, you know, before winning the ring, you kind of have a little bit of pressure. Basket, in basketball, not in life. In life, everything is good. But in basketball, you not pressure, you kind of – you have the challenge of like, you know, showcasing like who you are and who you are as a team and try to get over that hump. And you think in your head that when you do so, that, you know, moving forward, everything's going to be okay. You know, once you win a championship, the pressure is gone. You know, I don't have to worry about nothing else, but it's, it's false, you know, because if you're a competitive, your mind creates something, a different challenge, finds a different challenge. You might say, okay, I did it one time. I need to do it a second time. And when you do it a second time, you're going to want to do it a third time. And when you do it a third time, you're going to want to, uh, want to uh, win the Olympic uh, medal. Like, there's always something that your brain is going to create to uh, add pressure. And it's good because that's when you're at your best. But no, the pressure is still the same. Um, you know, we still the Milwaukee Bucks. At the end of the day, there's a lot of people out there still don't believe that, uh, you know, we can do it again. They kind of take the credit out of, you know, our uh, championship journey and um, saying that, you know, a lot of people got injured, like we, we won by, you know, luck, whatever the case might be. But we have to keep getting better. We have to keep building good habits. And there's a lot of people that are not going to believe in us, and it's okay. And uh, we got to keep going out there and, uh, you know, enjoying the game and, you know, playing good basketball. And hopefully we can be in a position again to win another championship. But as a team, there's always going to be another you know, another go, another challenge that uh, we're going to need to face moving forward. I just need to find things to motivate you. I think Giannis is probably pretty good at that. Looking for a reason to play hard, looking for a reason to keep working hard. I thought that was really insightful. And it's a great idea, right? Like, does it become easier to play the game? Does it feel like a weight has been lifted off your back? Because the NBA media is ruthless. We're always trying to get players traded. Should this player want to leave? Should this player get out of there? Should they fire this coach? Should they blow up this roster? We're always looking for chaos. We're always looking to shake things up the second that one team doesn't accomplish their goal immediately. The Bucks took three years under Bud to finally break through. And I think this season is going to be much more enjoyable now that the Bucks have accomplished that goal. We can just play the game. We can just enjoy the game, right? Have fun. Watch basketball. And we'll stress about the playoffs when the playoffs roll around here in a couple of months. There'll be plenty of time for that. Let's take a break. I want to get into the Packers. They made a move today. The Packers are in a very interesting spot as a franchise right now. I actually want to compare the Packers to an NBA team that has come out completely off the rails. And I, I think the makings of the Packers a couple of months ago 
things could have gotten ugly. It's gotten ugly for this NBA team, and I want to compare the the similarities and the differences between the Packers and this NBA franchise. And then the Brewers got rid of Andy Haynes. we got to talk about that. Both of those stories coming up before 5 o'clock. Perry Goldstein will join us in an hour as well. A lot coming up on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Brewers News. We're going to talk about that in about 15 minutes. Andy Haynes is out as the Brewers hitting coach. And I was just commented in something on Facebook. Binks, a frequent Brewers caller, Binks here in lacrosse, commented and tagged me on the Haynes news. Amen. He was the hitting coach in Miami with Yelich, so you knew they were going to entertain his coaching abilities. Time for counsel to go bring in Mike Schilt. I'd rather die than watch Mike Schilt manage my team. And that's only a slight exaggeration. I'll take Craig Council, uh, a modern baseball mind over a Tony LaRusso wannabe any day. Thank you very much. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. About to get into the Packers a little bit. We've been talking about the Bucks, and we'll get back into the Bucks at 5. Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, going to join us at 5.30 to talk Packers and uh, some assorted other things as well. Maybe we'll... We're both very into succession. Season three came back, or I guess the show came back. Season three started on Sunday, so I feel like we got to spend a couple of minutes on that. But Packers, who made a signing today, and I, I don't know what to think about this. This is very the Packers doing things and being active and improving their team. It's a little, it's a little new. And I know they signed the Smith brothers, and that one time they got Charles Woodson. Packers fan <laughs> love to bring up that any any time. Like it'll be twenty thirty five. And whoever's managing the Packers at that point, it'll probably be some Wisconsin name. I don't know, Jim Polinski or something like that. The general manager of the Packers. And we'll be like, oh, they never signed free agents. Why do they never why do they never go for it? And then somebody will be like, they got Charles Woodson that one time. You watch your mouth. It's like, we're still, still, we're still talking about that. That was like 10 presidents ago. What the hell? Like, I know the Packers have made moves here and there. The Smith brothers, Amos, Billy Turner. That was a great offseason. And sparingly throughout the last 20 years. But Rasul Douglas, Jalen Smith, Quentin Dunbar, now Whitney Merciless, who they added today. These are veteran acquisitions during the season. And then Devondre Campbell before the season. And Corey Bajorquez, the punter who they traded for. They're finally like, man, it kind of sucks having a garbage punter. Let's get someone who at least is okay. That's paid dividends big time. Whitney Merciless, who's an edge rusher. He's with Houston. It's probably a name that you know. Veteran minimum deal. And if Ken Ingles, who reports on the Packers' salary cap for, I believe, uh, what does he do for here? Okay, so he's with Unknown Packers. You can find him on Twitter at Ken Ingles. He does a lot of Packers' salary cap stuff. This could cost the Packers as little as 560000 bucks, right? And I don't think Whitney Merciless is going to be a superstar for them. Same way I don't think Jalen Smith is going to be a superstar. The same way I don't think Rasul Douglas is going to be a superstar. But the Packers are dealing with so many injuries and the normal wear and tear of a season this year that has an extra game. So even more opportunity for guys to get banged up and to fatigue and to potentially suffer some injuries. This is just depth that they need. 
They're not going to stand idly by and live with Isaac Yadam or whatever his name is. Yadam, that guy. Right? We're going to go get Rasul Douglas. We're going to try to upgrade, even if it's marginal. We're going to get Whitney Merciless, right? Because we lost uh, Chauncey Rivers. Now we got Jonathan Garvin and we have Rashawn Gary, but we're maybe without Preston, who hurt his oblique, and Zanaria Smith is out. So you know what? We're going to go get somebody. We have an opportunity to get Whitney Merciless, who was released by the Texans. Let's go get him. Packers being aggressive this year. And they're doing things a little bit differently. Now, I don't know if this is because Aaron Rodgers wants this and they're doing this to appease Aaron Rodgers or if Brian Gudekinst has had some change of heart. I think it's a mix of lots of different factors. I think this season from the jump just had a different feel. This season from training camp, when Aaron Rodgers first got there, we all understood it was a little different. This Packers team has played for the future. They've played for the long haul. They've played to keep their books clean and not put themselves in a bunch and back themselves into a corner. That's been the last, well, I mean, really since Favre got here, the last going on 40 years now, 30 years, all the way since 1990. But this season had a different feel. It's an all-in feel, a last dance feel. Like, this is the year, an all-in year, which we don't really have much experience with. Part of that is because Aaron Rodgers is nearing the end in Green Bay. And it's been advertised. Aaron Rodgers come back for one more year, which then he coined as the last dance. So maybe that plays a role in Brian Gutekinds being a little bit more aggressive. I just think the salary cap plays a role in this as well. Forget Aaron Rodgers. Right? You have huge cap hits. Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, all of these contracts that are coming due at the same time this offseason. Now, that's not necessarily Aaron Rodgers' fault. He plays a role in that, but it's not just him. And Brian Gutekinds looks at the cap and says, well... We're screwed next year, right? We finessed Preston Smith. We finessed all of these other contracts to make it work for just this year. We've gone this far. Why stop now? Why not get Rasul Douglas? Why not get Jalen Smith? This is the year. Our books indicate so. Our status with Aaron Rodgers indicates so. And all the injuries we've sustained. If Kevin King, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, everybody, if everyone was healthy, maybe they don't make a play for Rasul Douglas. If Josh Jackson pans out, Maybe they don't make a move for Rasul Douglas, right? Chris Barnes dealing with a little injury was earlier this year, and the inside backer position isn't really all that deep anyways. Okay, why not get Jalen Smith? It's real cheap. Quinn Dunbar. We have injuries in the secondary. Let's try him out. They got rid of him real quick, but they tried him out. And Whitney Merciless. Without Zadarius Smith, or without Preston Smith, who's got no bleak, right? We have some depth issues at outside backer. Why not? And that's because of injuries. Why not add depth? Lots of different factors. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers and the tone of this entire season, that's one reason why I think the Packers are being more aggressive. Another reason is the salary cap and just the finances. Why not? We're going to have to get rid of a lot of these guys anyways, so let's make every effort to have as good of a team possible in this season, especially these in-year miniature contracts that really aren't going to hurt us in the long term anyways. And we have injuries. It's in our best interest to add depth. Some of these positions where we're a little thin right now in the secondary, edge rusher, right? All of these deals are also really good examples of why the Packers probably weren't interested in Stephon Gilmore. They had the cap space to fit Stephon Gilmore, barely. But they rather save those last, I don't know, $4 million of cap space to bring in a bunch of guys, to have the flexibility to get a Rasul Douglas, a Jalen Smith, Quentin Dunbar, Whitney Merciless, you know, all of these guys. They avoided... 
bringing in and, and trading for Stephon Gilmore to have that extra little bit of cap space to maneuver. And they're maneuvering right now. Bless their hearts, right? Now, you still might not agree with their decision to, to not make a move or to not make a play for Stephon Gilmore. I don't know. I, I'm mixed. I, you had an opportunity to get a really good corner when your really good corner is hurt. Almost an unprecedented situation with the way that, that Stephon Gilmore was available. That never happens. And it's hard to let that go by. But also, this is why they let it go by. So they could make signings. Jalen Smith, Whitney Merciless, two linebackers they've added here in the last couple of weeks. I, I, at least I, I get it. I see their logic a little bit. I don't know. And I think it's partly for Rodgers, too. Like I said, this is an all-in season for him. And I think it's fair. If, if you're going to bring him back and ask him to come back for one more year when he clearly wasn't in, interested in doing so, make it worth his time, right? Give him your best effort to put together a championship team. I really want to know what they hashed out before the season in that agreement, right? What's coming up on the horizon? What did the Packers promise Aaron Rodgers? You know, did they promise him, hey, in the middle of the season, we sustain injuries or some guy becomes available, we'll go for him. Was that hashed out? Was that agreed upon before the year? I, I don't know. Be fascinated to know. This could have gone sideways for the Packers. And, and I don't think we thought about the possibilities of the ways that this could have gone sideways before the year, but... Aaron Rodgers being forced to come back into camp because the Packers won't trade him. And Aaron Rodgers obviously doesn't want to retire. So he comes into camp. What if he would have done what Ben Simmons is doing? Look at the Sixers. The Sixers are the worst case scenario of what the Packers could have become. When people were skeptical of Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Packers and it going smoothly, the Sixers is, is what people reference. He'd come back. He wouldn't be all in. It would become a huge distraction. It would be a media circus. And you might have to end up trading him anyways. And at this point, his value is in the tank, just as the way it is with Ben Simmons. I, I don't know. I want to know what language was put in Aaron Rodgers' deal and what details were hashed out before the season to make Rodgers come back and play nice. I mean, it might just be age, sports situation. It might be structural factors that are outside of the control of any contract that the Packers could draw up. Ben Simmons is young. And the NBA is a league where you can punt a little bit. You take a little time off. You can sit out. You can do what James Harden did. Leave your team. Get fat. Whatever. Demand a trade. Your career will be fine. Le'Veon Bell missed a little time because he didn't get the deal that he wanted. Not only did the Steelers not trade him, Le'Veon Bell was never the same again because that's how football works. And he really never made any of that money back. The NBA, you can make money back like, like that. The league is different. Ben Simmons is a lot younger than Aaron Rodgers. I think that makes a huge difference too. I want to know. I want to know what was agreed upon before the season. Was there any language that was like, hey, we'll get Rasul Douglas if he's available? I don't know. Interesting. And I hope we learn after the fact. Hopefully the backers win the Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers is traded, and then we're, it's very clear to us, and we get to learn kind of all of the, the dirty details that made the season work, made this kind of tightrope situation work for one more season. Let's take a break. Andy Haynes is out. This is the Brewers coach. Let's talk about that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers are back at practice getting ready to host the Washington football team. On Monday, the Packers scouting department worked out a linebacker, six foot six, Aaron Odeode, out of Southeast Missouri State. He spent some time with the Ravens. Yesterday, they added him to the practice squad and released veteran corner Quentin Dunbar, who they just signed last week. Now, Matt LaFleur says former Panthers defense back Rasul Douglas had 55 snaps and five tackles for the Packers in Sunday's win against the Bears. Yeah, he did an outstanding job, especially he hasn't been here for a very long time, and I thought he went in there, and he's a veteran guy that's played a lot of ball, so, but it was it was good to see him perform to the level that we thought he could do. Despite missing as many as four starters on defense, the Packers are 5-1. and one. Outside linebacker was Sean Gary. Oh, yeah, man, that's just guys stepping up. We have a great group of guys, and every guy's pushing to be best at the individual job and as a group. So, you know, just having that mindset of, you know, just keeping the next person up. And that's what, you know, from our rookies, you know, second-year players, third-year players, and up, you know, everybody been getting better week by week, individually and as a group. But we just keep on doing that and keeping our head down and holding our standard and what we believe in, we be fine. So just guys believing and working their butt off throughout the week and just reaping the benefits on Sunday. Best Packers coverage. Clemens, follow him on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL. He'll be with us tomorrow at 5.30. Bart Winkler will join us tomorrow too. 4.30, he'll be with us. Talk a little Bucks, little Packers. Maybe Brewers? Are we done with the Brewers? Do we still want to, like, here and there, re-examine what went wrong? And are we done with that? Are we moving past that? I'm, I'm here to listen to you. A man of the people. Whatever you want to talk about, I'll talk about. I'm there. Right? This isn't a dictatorship. This is a community. This program is a community. But I'm thinking mostly Packers Bucks with Bart tomorrow. Packers with Perry Goldstein coming up at 5.30. Remember, she'll join us here in a little bit over a half hour. My name is Grant Bilson. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Let's talk about, is this the biggest news of the day? The Packers added Whitley Merciless. And the Bucks had their championship celebration. But this might be the biggest story of the day. The Brewers aren't retaining Andy Haynes and Andrew Haynes their hitting coach, which a lot of Brewers fans wanted. We wanted him gone. I I don't, I don't know. I kind of stayed out of this fight. I don't really know everything a hitting coach does and how much a coach really can contribute to the success of a hitter. I don't know. I've never worked on a baseball coaching staff before. I don't know. I don't know. If the players really like him, cool, keep him. If they need a change, okay, cool, move on. I, I was kind of indifferent on this. There are people who know a lot more about this who are much better equipped to make a decision like this. This is not my area of expertise. I'm going to pull up a couple of the quotes here. The Brewers announced that they are not renewing his contract next year. His assistant hitting coach, not going to be part of the equation moving forward. You can look for other jobs, but he's not going to be considered. A couple of quotes here um, from David Stearns. Characterized the decision to part ways with Andy Haynes as a difficult one. Oh, okay. He declined to go in specifics beyond runs, scored, batting average, etc. of why now is the right time. Quote, we thought a new voice, a little different framing of the message, might be beneficial. So a change to make a change. Sometimes that's the right thing to do. Sometimes a change is needed. I mean, Christian Yelich trending in the wrong direction. Keston Hira trending in the way wrong direction. Really bad performance in the playoffs. Whatever, make a change. Don't hang on to him for two more years only to then realize, yep, he does stink. Let's get rid of him. Well, okay, well, you're never getting those two years back. 
I always reference with the Packers, knowing what we know now, the Packers should have fired McCarthy and Thompson after 2014, right? Because it was never the same after that. Yeah, it's really hard to fire a coach and a GM after an NFC Championship game loss. I get that. They were should have been in the Super Bowl. But knowing what we know now, wish you just would have cut ties then and moved on, okay? I don't want to get two years down the road from now with Andy Haynes, still have offensive woes in the postseason, then be like, okay, now let's fire him. Don't waste the time. If you're not all in on him, you want to get a new voice, get a new voice, pull the trigger. It is interesting because while Keston Hira and Christian Yelich have been poor the last two years, Willie Adamas got here and immediately started crushing. Luis Urias had a great season this year. Colton Wong had a career year, at least hitting the ball with power. Garbage in the playoffs, but then again, who wasn't? Avi Garcia had a career year after a really, really busy offseason working with Andy Haynes. Same with Omar Narvaez. I, the, the, yeah. But then again, your big studs, your big sticks, Christian Yelich, it's not working. It's like the NFL. You can have a head coach that's good at a lot of things. Doesn't mesh with the quarterback. Doesn't work with the quarterback and can't maximize the quarterback, the best player. It's tough. You got to find someone who works with your quarterback. Look at the Cardinals, right? They wanted to get Cliff Kingsbury. Go with Kyler Murray. Get a young quarterback, you need to get the head coach to go with them. That's why the Browns got Kevin Stefanski to go with Baker Mayfield, right? We see this quite a bit. The Packers wanted for Aaron Rodgers. A little bit different situation. He's not young. But you cannot accept offense like that from Christian Yelich. You need to look at your hitting coach and say, okay, yeah, Colton Wong had a nice year. That's that's great. Avi Garcia had a career year. That's great. Our big money player, our big investment, our biggest asset is Christian Yelich, and he stinks. And if you can't fix that, we need to get someone who can. I understand that. And it especially stings given that Cody Bellinger, a player who was terrible for the last two years, just like Christian Yelich, has seemingly figured out in the playoffs and is coming through with big moments nonetheless, which is what we talked about all year with Christian Yelich. It's like, look, this season is a lost cause for him, but if he has a couple of big moments in the postseason, all will be forgotten. Well, that never happened for Yelich, but it's happening to Bellinger, and I think that makes it hurt that much more. It sucks. Last night's Braves-Dodgers last night was so much fun, by the way. I know we haven't really talked about it, but that game was awesome. That was a blast. I'm hoping that that series goes seven so I get as many of those games to watch as possible. I want both the Red Sox and the Astros to lose. I want both of those teams to be shot into the moon. I hate them both, especially the Red Sox. Maybe I want the Astros to lose just out of spite to Boston. You know, I, I really don't like the Red Sox. I would love nothing more than to see them lose. Astros cheated, I know, but that's how much I hate the Red Sox. Let's take a break, get an update from our buddy Zach Heilprin, talk a little bit more about the Bucks, and we'll talk Packers with Perry Goldstein at 5.30 as well. Stick around. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Talking a lot of Packers today. Added Whitney Merciless. So they've added Rasul Douglas, Jalen Smith, Whitney Merciless. All in the middle of the season. They were in. They inquired on. I keep forgetting this guy's name. And it's going to kill me. The amount of time I've wasted the last couple of weeks trying to remember this guy's name off the top of my head. I don't know why it's not working. Stefan Gilmore. Thank you very much. They were in on him. Didn't work out, but with the cap money they've saved, they've made some additions, which I think was the reason why they didn't want to burn all of their remaining cap on one cornerback. They wanted the flexibility to add guys like this as they became available. And with these injuries, I can't blame them because they need space and flexibility to add depth. 
which is what they've done today. Whitney Merciless. Brewers are out on Andy Haynes, and the Bucks are reigning champs. They beat the Nets last night. All of that has been part of the show so far. If you've missed any of that, the podcast will go up just after 6 o'clock. Now, without further ado, Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV. I talked to her at about 2 o'clock this afternoon. Luckily, we saw the Whitney Merciless move just in time. So here is our conversation. Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, Packs What She Said podcast. It's nuts that it's week six. Because when we talked before the season, I was like, ah, every couple of weeks, it feels like the Saints game was yesterday. So I apologize it took until week six. But the Brewers were really good, and we were talking about them, and you know what happened there. So I'm sorry it took until week six, but I'm happy to have you. What's what's new? What's been going on? I'm so glad to be back. Yeah, I'm very, very sorry about your Brewers. Um, yeah. After the Mets didn't make the postseason, I said, okay, here we go, hopping on the bandwagon. And now I don't care about anybody that's left playing. It was so, done in like three days. Like yeah, it was. I'm so sorry. But the Packers are five and one. So now you and the Bucks are back. You just got to watch oh, them get their rings cool. fitted. Yeah. So... Nothing beats Not a ring that. ceremony. Nothing. So much better. We watched the Lakers get rings last year, and I just wanted to throw up the whole time. Oh, this was so much more wholesome, just so much better in every way. So I, I can't complain. The Bucks are awesome. The Brewers came up short. Sometimes that's the way sports goes. That's kind of what we talked about. Like, the Braves were just a better team for five games, and that's what's brutal about the baseball playoffs, 162 games, and it can be over just like that. Let's talk about the Packers. Four NFC Championship games in seven years. We're trying to break through. Trying to do what the Bucks did and finally get through to the other side. I actually want to talk a lot about the defense today. Big picture is positive. We can nitpick in a minute, but I think these last two weeks, two of their most impressive games of the season, I'd say, like they're trending in the right direction, but they're losing guys. So when you watch this defense, like they've lost Darius Smith, Preston went down, Darnell Savage went down. What players have played well and who's jumped out to you so this defense continue to get better as the season goes along? Yeah, it's tough. Uh, really tough. I mean, by the end of the Bears game, right, all that's left is Adrian Amos uh, in your starting secondary. Like, that's what it's so odd because when you look at these games on paper, as a fan, I'd say, oh, they're screwed. But you yeah. actually watch and you're like, oh, we're, they're not screwed at all because first round pick Eric Stokes is playing way better than expectations. Shannon Sullivan is, you know, playing at an average slot corner level. It's all you really need from him. And the, I have to say, the Packers front office have brought in a couple of what could be considered lower-level veteran free agents, but all of them are stepping up, right? You're you're getting reps from Razul Douglas after Isaac Yadam blew the first drive. You're And you're also getting, you know, some young guys. I think the line has been, at least in the Bears game, the line was what did it, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, Rashawn Gary and Kenny Clark are doing exactly what you'd want them to do, but Jonathan Garvin came alive. TJ Slayton got more reps. Um, and then, of course, you're... Dean Lowry had a sack, didn't he, in the Bears game? Dean Lowry, mm-hmm. yep. Also coming alive somehow. I think, I don't remember who it was, but someone said it was like poking the bear. Yeah. Um, right? And so when you get when you get solid play from the guys you expect to, like Rashawn, Kenny, handling it, getting tons of pressure, I think those are going to turn into more sacks soon. Everyone else gets the opportunity to make some plays. Collectively, it ends up working out for them. You mentioned Eric Stokes. I don't know where they'd be if he wasn't healthy and available and pretty darn good. I'm looking at the corners that went in front of him. Greg Newsom's in a little different spot because Cleveland's secondary is so deep that they don't need him to be everything every week. But then Caleb Farley got hurt this week. He's going to be done for the year. Um, J.C. Horn looks like he's going to miss a lot of time, if not the rest of the year. And then Patrick Sertan, of course, the Alabama corner is fantastic. But, I mean, he's been one of the best rookie corners in football this year, and I think the Packers are really lucky, obviously, to be in that spot. You mentioned Rashawn Gary. I want to be careful because you can get labeled Rashawn Gary hater very quickly. Like, I 
I like to think I'm I'm a smart football fan with pass rushing. Like we don't obsess over sacks. We want to look at pass rush win rate. We want to look at pressures. Those are more indicative stats. I, my problem with Rashawn Gary. It's not even a problem. I want to label it a problem. My thought process with Rashawn Gary. Top twelve pick, third year. Injuries in front of him, so now it's his time. And I feel like I watch games and I just I don't hear his name called enough. And I want more splash plays. I want bigger plays that impact a game. Is that unfair? Is that hate? Is is your expectation of that only because he's was taken number twelve overall? That's part of it, but I think that's fair, isn't it? Like you have to have a little bit higher expectation of someone who's taken that high, don't you? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you're. I don't think you're okay. wrong necessarily. I, I don't know. I think that if you're, if he's being impactful in some way, I don't care whether it shows up on the stat sheet or not. That's fair. I just, I don't know, like what Kenny Clark did. I know Kenny Clark's been in the league a couple more years and Kenny Clark is a stud, but just a moment in a drive where Rashawn Gary's like, I'm stepping in and I'm ending this drive. Like something like that. It's not even that I'm looking at the box score and I'm like, oh, there's nothing there. The numbers aren't showing up. When I'm watching the game, like I want the announcers to to have to say his name. I want my eyes to be drawn to what he's doing. And that's not always the case. I sometimes wonder, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I also think that like when you've lost Look, you look at this game, you've lost both Smiths. Mm-hmm. Those are going to be taking, you know, potential double teams away. I just think, I think Rashawn is up against a really tall order when he's now, you know, edge rusher one and is getting all the attention true. because of that. That's true. That's very true. And I mean, even playing alongside Kenny Clark, like that makes his life easier a little bit. He was getting some good pushes, some good rushes. And then there were moments where the ball just came out before he got home. And I, and I get that. You can't obsess over sacks, but just... I want, like, the Rashawn Gary game where the Packers win a game and then afterwards you're like, whoa, Rashawn Gary blew up the third quarter of that game or whatever. We haven't got yeah, you that think yet. About, you think about, like, the Zedarius Smith game against the Vikings when yeah. they clinched the North, like that Which kind one? of game. Which <laughs> one? <laughs> um, in 2019. Okay, yeah. The, was that the Christmas uh, Eve or Christmas Day, that one? Yeah. Yes. But I think it's coming, right? Like, you, you've seen him be increasingly impactful, and I think those sacks will come. All the numbers would indicate that it's coming at some point. I'm excited to hopefully see it. We're talking with Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, Red Zone Defense. You made a really good point on your podcast yesterday with Maggie. Packs what she said, and you can actually watch it live, whether it be on YouTube or Twitter. And sometimes you're on during my show, so like on a commercial break, I'll turn you on or whatever and see what you're talking about. You made a really good point that the defense isn't always set up for success by the special teams because the defense is okay in between the 20s. But if a bad punt return sets a team up at midfield, well, now you only have 30 yards to work with. I I get that. Once the defense is backed into the red zone, what do they need to do better? Like, what are you seeing that needs to change from this defense, special teams aside? So I was thinking about this today, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm not a coach, so take this with a grain of salt. But I think that there's two pieces to this because my, my initial thought is that Joe Barry is like really handicapped by the loss of all the players that he's dealt with. Right. So That's I fair. think that it's why you're seeing so much zone in general, because you can't play man when all you have is Eric Stokes and a bunch of depth guys. So when everything gets scrunched into the red zone, I think all of that's heightened a lot. Um, I would like to see him call more than a four man pressure. Like I, I think he's done a decent job, but he gets like somewhat conservative in the red zone. I find um, so I just think more aggression. And I think when you get Jair back, even hate to say it, Kevin King, like any I'm, of no, your, I'm with you. you know, yeah. Savage, any of your starters, you can start to press them a little bit more in the red zone. And he's just like not able to do that right now. 
Well, Aaron Rodgers keeps talking about aggression. That's the way the offense needs to get better in the red zones. We need to be more aggressive, like that shot to EQ that should have been a touchdown and wasn't. Maybe Joe Barry just needs to get more aggressive, too. I think of the Niners game where they blitzed everyone, and then Jimmy G just made a great throw, and Ayuk or Debo made a great play to beat Jair. Like, sometimes that's how it goes, and I guess you can look at plays like that to think that red zone numbers are a little fluky. Like, they're a lot based on luck, too, sometimes. 15 for 15, it's hard to put that all on luck. The Packers have been horrendous, though, in the red zone. I mean, they haven't even forced a field goal no. in the red zone. <laughs> no. But the, no. at the same time, they're not letting teams get to the red zone, which mm-hmm. is how they're winning games. But you, I was talking about this today with my dad because he's very angry about it. He's a very pessimistic sports yeah. fan. Opposite That's the me. role of a dad in a sports <laughs> yeah. family. And he's like, they're not going to beat good teams and they're going to get killed in the playoffs immediately if they don't clean this up. And he's 100% right. Well, hopefully they catch the good side of some luck and some variance just in time as the games get more important. Like, hopefully we're getting all the bad luck out of the way with early, or maybe I'm rationalizing. Maybe that's not real. But I do think red zone stats are fluky to a degree. They're not fluky to 15 out of 15 and and no field goal, even attempts uh, yet. I guess... One thing that's a little bit optimistic, your dad talks about playing against really good teams. I think the last two weeks have been two of the better defensive performances. And I think sometimes defense can be so reliant on who you're playing and when you're playing. Like the Washington football team last year, that defense looked amazing. Okay, well, it turns out they played some bad quarterbacks at the right time. And we're seeing that now. Last two weeks, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, that's a real offense. And they were good in stretches. And then even Fields, right? A mobile quarterback, that could give him fits. And I like Allen Robinson. Like, I think they've, put together some good performances against good talent, even as injured as they've been. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that just is, I think it just goes to show like what they've built depth wise there that like, you just have to expect next man up mentality and that's what they're bringing. And there's like a level of confidence and swag that they have back. Um, I also think that, I don't mean to disagree with you, but I think also they've gotten rookie. You know, Joe Burrow isn't a rookie, but he basically missed his entire rookie season. Like, yeah. they've been able to capitalize on some really rookie mistakes that mm-hmm. I don't know if a Matt Stafford or a Patrick Mahomes or a Kyler Murray are going to give them. So they're yeah. stacking wins at the right time, but they're not going to get the same kind of, like, gimme throw-up interceptions that Justin Fields gave them on Sunday. Maybe against Tom Brady. I'm glad that you didn't mention Tom Brady in that group because Tom Brady is liable to throw a handful of interceptions in in big moments. I know, they don't have to play him until probably (laughs) the postseason. Situationally, does this defense still worry you? Last thing on the Packers, I want to talk about succession before we're done because that's back this week. Situationally, we talked about this last year. End of game, end of half. Red zone, this defense is bad, and then that came to a head in the NFC Championship game when Kevin King gave up that touchdown. Do you feel better situationally? I feel like that touchdown before half against Cincy was a really bad sign in that department. Yeah, I think also that might have been – look, I think Savage came out of nowhere and almost made a play on that ball, but you expect him as a first-round pick, to go back to your argument, to be able to make that play, right? So there's a little – there's a give and take. I think, again, you're – when you are handicapped by your lack of all of your star players, basically minus a handful, there's just only so much that they can do. And like, I think Joe Barry's done a really good job of having everyone like keep everything in front of them. Um, And they're not playing nearly as soft as they did with Mike Pettin, which is nice. Um, But it's just going to be a lot easier to stop better offenses when you get your good players back. Like that's, I know that's probably a cop-out answer, but like, that's just, that's the fact right now. They're playing really well 
for a team that's majority second stringers. No, I, I don't think that's a cop out at all. You're limited when you're playing like fire drill personnel in the secondary when you're playing Rasul Douglas after adding him, you know, a couple of days ago, you're limited in what you can do. And I think the last two weeks, especially the Packers defense has done a really good job considering kind of the personnel that they're missing with injuries. Yeah. I have a, I have a question for you because I've been yeah. asking everyone this this week. Um, there's so many mixed reviews on Jalen Smith. Yeah. And I would, I would love your take on how you think Jalen Smith looks and like whether he's actually going to be impactful for the Packers. I feel like, what was Andy? Maybe it was Andy Herman or Pete or somebody who was tweeting clips. Like you can use him in passing downs to just affect things. He's probably not going to be someone who tracks down and tackles Dalvin cook in space, but also look at how injured they are. Like he's a body and he was really, really cheap. And he has NFL experience like at a high level. And he's got the draft pedigree, which Brian Gutekunst loves. I think the Whitney merciless thing is very similar. Is he amazing? Probably not, but they're losing guys left and right. Like, I'm always down to bring one of those guys in. And I think the reason that they didn't trade for Stephon Gilmore, even if that was never going to happen, the idea was we want to maintain what tiny little cap space we have left to bring in multiple extra bodies like Jalen Smith, like Merciless, instead of going for the one big guy, which I get with the injuries they've dealt with. They're very big, low-risk, high-reward free agency signers. It's kind of the way I bet. Yeah, well, look how Devondre Campbell's worked out. It makes sense why they're looking for guys like this. Makes and sense. he's, I think Jalen Smith's like the actual opposite linebacker to Devondre Campbell. So yeah. you got to mix the skill sets. I agree. He's going to be better in pass it, obvious passing situations. He had a, like a blitz that he, I think it ended up being a, an incomplete pass. So I think they can use him in a way, but he's not going to be Devondre Campbell. No, Devondre Campbell, I think is the number one rated inside linebacker per pro football focus, which when the That's numbers cool. are good to us, we reference them. And then when they're not PFF is a total sham. And we don't care about grades and stats. Stats are for losers anyways, right? While I have you, succession. Um, I had a guest on earlier this week, Justin Garcia, to talk about the Bucks. He is our Grateful Dead and Jam Band uh, consultant. You are, well, starting now, our pop culture HBO show consultant. Um, what did you think of the premiere? I thought most of it was just kind of reestablishing things, but then the last 15 minutes, it like took off and got me really amped again. I loved it. I loved it. I do think that the first episode, it needs to like set the scene, set the tone. Mm -hmm. And I was anxious the entire time in a good way, right? Like you're just, there's so much anticipation, so much buildup with the show. And you're just like reading between the lines of all their dialogue because no one ever says anything directly to each other. Um, And it's just, I think it set it up for a really exciting really exciting season there were just some moments towards the second half like when greg opened that bottle of rava's wine and then kendall brought naomi there like the tension really was ratcheted up like it became intense and like it felt like it got back on the tracks towards the end and there were a couple of moments that really kind of i think picked up speed naturally there are two sides forming we have team kendall and then logan and through extension like kind of some of the like obviously the other kids but then Frank and Carl and all those Carl needing a sandwich was maybe my favorite part of the episode. That was just funny. I have a tendency to side with the villain. I think we've talked about this. I was a big Cersei Lannister fan until like the last couple of seasons. And I loved Ralphie Cifaretto and the Sopranos rest in peace. I'm sneaky pulling for Logan, not because I love Logan. I just expected Kendall to not be a bozo like he was in the first two seasons. Like I expected him to come out of this like clearer and like more mature. And he's the same dummy who, has tried to take over the company, but clearly had no plan with what to do once he did. I have no confidence in Kendall. Maybe I'm not pro Logan. I just, I don't like Kendall still. 
Well, I think in all of the examples that you just gave, all of those, quote, villains always end up winning. So really all you're doing is siding with the expected winning team. So you're saying I'm hedging. Is that what I'm doing? Yeah, pretty much. Because you all, all the history of succession shows you that Logan Roy is five to ten steps ahead of all of his children. At he's all inevitable. All he's, he's just going to get out of things, and there's nothing that you can do about it. So it's very easy to bet on Logan when history tells you he's going to win. Uh, I think this battle is quite different, though, that Kendall, because Kendall is on the side, or I say, I should say the public is on the side of Kendall in this situation, and he's getting the lawyer that Logan wants. He's getting everything, and I think that, you know, the social media scene with Greg was funny. They set it up in a very funny way, but I also think that it's important because right now, everyone gets their news through social media. And if Kendall's the good guy across the public, then you never know how this could end up. Does he want some writers from BoJack to handle his social media? Is that what you guys do at She Said TV? Is that the vibe you go for? Earnest? Did he say he wants it to be very earnest? It's all about the memes, Grant. It's always about the memeage. Good memeage. Final question. Shiv's joining Kendall, right? Like, I imagine we get some clarity on what's happening this weekend. Or is she just pissed? And she just needs a couple of minutes to herself. I think she's playing both sides until she has to choose. I think she's way too smart. and We're getting close, though. Like, we're getting close to the point where you might have to choose pretty soon. I don't know. Her friend sided with uh, with Kendall also, so maybe. But I think she puts her husband in a really tough spot. Poor Tom. I feel bad for Tom. Twin Cities Tom. He's Midwest nice. Is he even Midwest nice anymore, though? I don't know. I feel like that's rubbing off episode by episode. Episode two this weekend. I don't know. I don't like Kendall. I just hope we get better things from Kendall. Just He's bringing everyone to his ex-wife's place. I don't, I don't know. He's just kind of a bozo. I'm not about it. Awesome. Enjoy the next episode of Succession and a Packers win. We'll deal with the Arizona game when it comes up, I guess. Thanks, Perry. Thank you. Perry Goldstein on Twitter, at Perry Goldstein. Packs What She Said podcast. I think it drops Tuesdays because it dropped yesterday. Today's Wednesday. Yep, that makes sense. Follow her on Twitter. We'll have to get her back here in a couple of weeks. The Arizona game. The games in the middle of the Packers schedule are brutal. Those will be fun and very interesting to talk about right now. The Packers kind of making their way through some lesser opponents. Sorry, Chicago Bears fans, but not quite there yet. Justin Fields, not quite Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, or... Russell Wilson, honestly, not even Kirk Cousins. We can talk about those Vikings games when we get there as well. Final couple of minutes coming up. I'll get to your final texts, final thoughts on the Bucks. More NBA games tonight. Yes, final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up.